Our gospel lesson this morning is going to come from the book of Revelation. From Revelation chapter 21, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6, Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who, said, who, the one who seated upon the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the waters of life. This is the word of God, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've shared with you before that one of the things that I have struggled with in my life is paying attention to the small things. In my life, I get so busy sometimes that I, I don't pay attention to little things. And, and, and I get so focused on the big picture of stuff, the big picture of things that I don't always um, pay attention to the small things, the, the things that are important, but that I just get so busy that I miss. Or I'm looking at so many other things that I might not see uh, the importance of such things. And so I, I've just missed a lot of a lot of beauty in my life. I've told you the story before about being in the, up in of northeast Mississippi and, and never having noticed the, um, the trees when they changed colors. And I thought, golly, I've lived here for three years and I've never, never noticed these, this hill and these colors. And um, golly, I've missed some beauty in my life. I was driving recently. I went down to Hattiesburg for a funeral, for Hank Winstead's funeral, as a matter of fact. And I was... Uh, I was driving down Hardy Street going to do something very important. Um, I was going to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee. And I, I passed by um, this, beautiful, uh, this beautiful little uh, uh, little little statue, little structure, architectural thing there in Hasbro. I thought, oh, that's beautiful. I've never noticed it. And I, I lived in Hasbro for five years. I hadn't pedaled for five years. I drove that street hundreds of times. When Holly was at Southern, I went to visit her down there. I mean, I've been to Hasbro enough time in my life to choke a pig. And I just missed it, just never, never noticed it, never really paid attention to it. Um, Holly has, um, I, I bought me a, I guess I'm really tapping into my old manness now as I'm getting older. Um, I, I bought a record player last year. I've been listening to a lot of music and, uh, and, and listening to a lot of things on vinyl. And uh, Holly bought me some, um, bought me some um, records this, a few months back and found them pretty cheap at a store. And so uh, I was listening to one of was a Paul McCartney. Uh, album. She knows I love the Beatles and I love Paul McCartney and uh, it's um, his group Wings, which is after the Beatles. And uh, if you know Paul McCartney and Wings, you probably know the song Band on the Run. I've heard it a thousand times. Love Paul McCartney. Don't love Wings much on the Beatles, but who does? But um, I've heard the song a thousand times. Love the song. And when I was listening to it the other day on the vinyl, I heard this little, little interesting guitar part that I'd never noticed before, and now when I hear when I hear the song, it's all I can hear is this little 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 guitar section, a little part that I just never just never picked up on before, just never noticed it. It's so easy, 
It's so easy in our life, it's so easy each day to miss little, little things. Particularly things that we do all the time that we can take for granted. It's been, it's been fun during this Lenten season to um, say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday, hasn't, hasn't it? At least, it? at least it has for me. I'm like many of you. Uh, I grew up saying the Apostles' Creed every Sunday of my life. I, 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 I'm 44 years old. Multiply 44 by 52 and take out probably 20 or 30. And that's how many Sundays of my life I've been to church. I've been to church a lot. I'm, I'm a fan of church. I said la- last year when we, had to, uh, when we weren't able to gather together, even, even to record on certain times, I said, I've missed more church last year than I missed my entire life. I, I, don't, I don't miss church. I'm that weirdo who goes to church on vacation. I mean, I'm that guy. And so I've said the Apostles' Creed, you know, except for that rebellious phase when I was in college and I joined the Baptist church. You know, I've said the Apostles' Creed every, every Sunday of my life, I think. And so it's been fun during this season to, uh, to say it every Sunday. Uh, we, we, we say all the creeds here at St. Matthew's because Tim taught me something early on, something important early on was that um, all the creeds are in the hymnal, so they all have importance, so we should say all of them. I mean, that, that stuck with me, so we try to do a rotation of the creeds. But it's been, it's been, it's been good for me to say the creed every Sunday. It really has been. And, um, but uh, when I think about it, particularly the last part of the creed dealing with the Holy Spirit, I think about the things that I've missed. That, that I haven't really always paid attention to. Things that are important. Things that are valuable. That I've just not given the proper attention to. Small things of beauty. Small things of importance. Because the creed, y'all, the creed, it really lays out for us what is the most important part of our belief. Not, not, not the stuff... Not the stuff that we fuss about. If you look at the church, most of the stuff that we fuss about isn't really rising to the level of creedal matters. So we fuss with our, our pick with our friends that are Baptist about baptism, or our friends that are, that are Presbyterian about predestination, or our friends that are, that are Catholic or Episcopal about liturgy. You know, we, 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 we fuss and pick about these things. But if you notice, none of those things are in the creed. They're not, they're not in the creed. The creed does not include reference to a specific mode of baptism, does it? It doesn't include uh, references to, to election or free will. It doesn't include any, 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 any talk of the proper form of liturgy or of worship, does it? It doesn't. It gives you the essentials of the doctrine that you must believe to be a Christian. That's what the creed gives us. The essentials of doctrine that you must believe to call yourself Christian. What Lewis called mere Christianity. The Trinity. Like I said, as we talked last week about the Spirit, the, 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 the Trinity is the rebar of the creed. It, it, is, it, is, it is at the skeletal nature of what the creed's about. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Who Jesus is. His life, death, resurrection. Divine nature, the virgin birth, the atonement of the cross, the resurrection, these things, the essentials, the Holy Spirit, the church. Today, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
Remember, these things flow from this, as we talked of last week, how each part of the creed lends itself to the explanation. Jesus, what we mean about Jesus, the spirit, the church, the body, the father. Today, we, we finish the creed and we finish the things that flow from the spirit. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. There it is. There's the beauty. The forgiveness of sins. Right there in the creed, y'all. Right there in the creed. In the same way that we believe in the Holy Trinity. As an essential part of our doctrine. In the same way that we believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Fully God and fully human. In the same way that we believe in the, in the resurrection from the, of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the same way that we believe in the importance of the church. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Right there, y'all. Right there in the creed. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. We are a people of forgiveness. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ. You are forgiven in Jesus Christ. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, if you're going to call yourself one who confesses Christ as Lord, then you got to believe in the forgiveness of sins. I think that means two things. I think that means the forgiveness of sins for yourself, forgiveness of sins for others. And both those can be hard, can't they? Both those can be hard. But the Bible's clear in 1 John. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, and if we are truly repentant and truly desire forgiveness, if we confess, he will forgive us our sins. When we confess our sins to God and we are truly penitent and we are truly sorry, and we truly desire forgiveness, then we are forgiven. And God, God has forgiven you now of your sins. If, you have conf- if, you, if you're truly sorry for your sins, the stuff that you've done wrong, the ways you've messed up, the mistakes you've made, all of this, if you desire forgiveness and new life, you are forgiven. We believe in the forgiveness of sins in the same way we believe in the resurrection. We believe in the forgiveness of sins in the same way that we believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe in forgiveness. In the name of Christ, when you confess your sins, you are forgiven. We are a people of forgiveness. You need to hear the forgiveness of God right now for your sins.
No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, no matter what has happened, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Sometimes we can't forgive ourselves, though. See, I'm starting with forgiveness for ourselves because a lot lot of times it's harder to forgive ourselves than it is to forgive them. We don't always like to forgive them. We We really struggle to forgive ourselves. One of my favorite verses is where it says in the Bible, if our hearts condemn us, God who knows everything is greater than our hearts. God knows what you've done. God, God, the Bible says, well, we were yet as enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. That means at the moment of our lowest, at the moment of our worst, the moment we were most unlovable, most unforgivable, most wretched, at the moment where our sins were the greatest, at the moments when we were the most, the farthest away from God, it was at that moment that Christ died for you. Not because you deserved it, but because he's good and he's merciful and he's kind. You're not forgiven because you deserve it. You are forgiven because he is good. We don't earn forgiveness. We receive it. Through Christ, you can know forgiveness. Sometimes we say, oh, but Andy, what I've done. Oh, what I've done. I've done so much. Oh, the mistakes I've made. Oh, what I've done. So you're the one. If you think you're unforgivable, so you're the one. You're the one whose sins are greater than the cross. You're the one whose sins are greater than the resurrection. Listen, you're awesome, and you're amazing, and I love you, but you ain't that special. Your sins are not greater than the blood of Christ. And your sins are not greater than than the forgiveness of God. Now I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Through Christ, you can be forgiven. Here's the thing. If through Christ I can be forgiven, through Christ they can be forgiven as well. The same God that longs to forgive me of my sins is the same God who longs to forgive them of their sins. And the same God who longs to restore me the same God who longs to restore them. And if God has forgiven me, then i got to forgive them. C.S. Lewis says, to be Christian is to forgive the unimaginable because the unimaginable has been forgiven in us. We, we have been forgiven, so we, we must forgive others. We must be the most forgiving of all people because we have been forg- forgiven so very much. I love the parable that Jesus tells about the, about the man who was in debt to the king. It was a small amount, and the king forgives him. And then the same man who was forgiven then goes to another one and demands. Actually, he was forgiven a large amount. He then goes to another one who owes him a dollar and a half and has him thrown in jail. And the king says, I have forgiven you so much. How can you not forgive them? You're going to be thrown in jail and never come out until you repay me because you, you didn't forgive We have been forgiven so very much, y'all. Our sins are washed or covered in the blood of Christ. We've got to forgive each other. 
we got to forgive each other. Unforgiveness is you drinking a poison and expecting it to kill them. Through Christ, we have been forgiven of our sins. Through Christ, we're called to forgive others as well. We are forgiven people. Means we've got to forgive people. Right there, y'all. This beautiful doctrine that I've said every Sunday of my life and I've missed so many times. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. Right there. We can be made whole through Jesus. We can be forgiven. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And life everlasting. The resurrection of the body is an interesting uh, thing. We, we, we remember in creation... When God made us as humans, he, he made us good as humans. And the body is not bad. Paul talks in the Bible about the flesh. But when Paul talks about the flesh, he's not talking about our literal flesh. He's talking about the more metaphorical concept of our human sin. So our flesh is our human sin, not our actual flesh that makes us up. The Bible Paul talks in Corinthians about how we're going to have in the resurrection spiritual bodies. And it's interesting to read Paul talk about this in Corinthians because he, 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 he can't quite explain what he's talking about. <laughs> he talks about how we're going to have spiritual bodies, but he never can really fully, pardon the pun, flesh out what that means. But here's what we know, that there will be a, I believe in the resurrection of the body. We believe in the resurrection of our physical self. Now, it, it's funny, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about, or a few days back about cremation. Well, how can we be resurrected if we're cremated? Well, hey, I hate to break it to you, but, you know, when you bury in the ground, you're going to turn to worm food eventually. Your, your physical body will turn to worm food. We resurrected. God will, think about the parable of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. What does he do? He resurrects those bones and breathes them in life. They were a bunch of dead bones. They have bodies. God's able to bring life out of everything. We will, we will have in eternity a physicality that is not based upon this earthliness. So even if the body rots and decays in, the, in glory, in heaven, we will have a physical, spiritual body. We see a little, a little glimpse of it with Jesus. We see the physicality of Jesus in that he tells the disciples to reach their hands and touch the scars in his hands. We see him eating fish with the disciples following the resurrection. There's a physicalness to Jesus. They see him. They talk with him. They embrace him. But he can also go through locked doors. He also has a spiritual, a spiritual body, if you will. What's that going to be like? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I've never been to heaven. But the Bible teaches us that we'll have spiritual bodies. So we believe in the resurrection of the body. The body's not bad, y'all. It's God's gift to us. Take care of yours. Trying to take care of mine somewhat. <laughs> Not very well, but I'm trying. We live the resurrection body and the life everlasting. We, we read from Revelation today about that. That uh, there's going to come a time when we're going to be forever with the Lord. And there will be no more sickness, pain, and death. 
and that life will triumph over death and that the, that the, that the sins of this age and the stress of this age and all the things, there'll be no more COVID and cancer and depression and addiction. No, no more of this, y'all. We're going to have life eternal with God. Life eternal. There's going to be a heaven. That's what this world was created for. What sin has corrupted. And what God has made whole. One, one of my favorite books is by a Methodist theologian by the name of Ted Runyon. And it's entitled The New Creation. That in that the ultimate plan of salvation, the ultimate plan of redemption is for God to restore what sin has taken. For God to restore what sin has corrupted. And that God's going to make all this whole, y'all. He's going to make it whole. And there'll be no more sickness, pain, and death. There'll be no more loss. There'll be no more Alzheimer's. There'll be no more hatred. There'll be no more of all this. But there'll be life. And it will be everlasting. And it will be good. This world's not our home. There's something better waiting for us. Something good. This life everlasting that Jesus promises us. My Father's house in many rooms. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So that where I am, you may be also. There's a, a better place coming. It's not this world. Today's Palm Sunday. And we, we read on this text, we, our gospel lesson today was about Jesus and the triumphal entry. And they come out and they greet and they throw the branches on the ground and they worship and Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. They were looking for Jesus to come and be the son of David to establish, establish that earthly kingdom. And Jesus said that his kingdom is not out of this world. They were looking for something earthly. He came to give them something heavenly. They just weren't looking for it. <laughs> he came to offer them something amazing and life-giving and powerful. But it wasn't what they were looking for. We miss beauty each day, y'all. I missed the forgiveness of sins. Every, every time I said the creed, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about forgiveness. There it is. We miss it. Beauty in front of us. They missed the beauty of Jesus because they were looking for something else. What will we miss this week? As we enter into this holy week, what will we miss because we're not looking? And this week, may our Savior give us the eyes to see that we are forgiven. The eyes to to see that they are as well. We should offer them that. The eyes to see the beauty of creation in the body. The eyes to long for our heavenly home. And the eyes to see Christ calling us forward to obedience. Today, may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and souls to receive. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death, and resurrection. We thank you for the forgiveness that we can know through him.
God, we love you. Thank you for his grace in this Palm Sunday. God, help us to be graceful bearers of good news in all things. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.